The other piece that I've learned is that you can't, as hard as you try it, you can't code around human stupidity. You can try really hard, but just at the end of the day, it comes down to like, if someone wants to make a mistake, they're gonna make a mistake. Like my worst day was when an operator decided to, to dump a bag of one ingredient into the wrong tank. <laughs> and ruined a whole bunch of product, and that was like $1.2 million down the drain. Welcome to the podcast today. We have Jake Maggid with us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jake. Grew up in Southern California, outside of LA in a suburb. Went to school at UC Berkeley, double majored in bioengineering and physics, and spent most of my time outside of class in the marching band playing snare drum and then worked for a biopharmaceutical company for three and a half years in a number of different roles but primarily automation engineering and now i'm at cornell tech with your lovely host brett and majoring in computer science you're in automation in biomedical device manufacturing or uh it's not device it's uh, pharmaceuticals yeah so what does that entail like what does that mean Okay, so well, devices are actual like physical devices that would mm-hmm. you would use for a given medical purpose, and then there's the world of pharmaceuticals. Usually, small molecule and large molecules. How's that's broken out? The small molecules is stuff that's like chemically manufactured, so ibuprofen. Okay, it's like whatever. what's inside the pill. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. What what the actual medication is? Large molecule is stuff that you can't just like make in a lab because it's really complex, and that's normally like proteins. We work. Or I worked at a place that fractionated human plasma to pull out target proteins that would be used in different medications, everything from hemophilia to immunodeficiencies. Cool. So you, when people go donate blood, they donate plasma. Is that where you get it from? We can recover it from donated blood, but there's also plasma facilities. It's actually a bit easier for you to donate plasma because you don't like feel lightheaded or anything after because they recirculate your red blood cells. So you worked in both large and small molecule? No, it was only large molecule. Only large molecule, which is cooler than small molecule because you need like cool automation and cool machines to do it. I mean, you have automation in most parts of manufacturing. The product is a bit more sensitive because it's a protein. It can denature. It's very... Mm -hmm. You break down. Yeah. You got to keep it at the right temperature, right pH, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what was your role involved with these automation of pharmaceuticals? The whole process of starting with human plasma and ending up with specific like concentrated fractions of the plasma is automated through a bunch of big tanks and pumps and valves and blah, blah, blah. And um, it's usually a process of sort of adding alcohol and changing the temperature and centrifuging and then running it through a filter press and then purifying it down. Yeah, spinning it it around so that the heavy stuff separates out. Heavy stuff goes outside. Not so heavy stuff. And so what was your part in that? You were like managing all that or like doing Um, efficient or making sure stuff didn't break down or Yeah. So it would be to code the software behind all of that process that would run it. And so okay. it would involve minimal like operator interaction, even though there's there, you know there's still parts that you know do require operators. But spinning up a centrifuge and adding the cooling liquid and adding any alcohol or whatever, that's all automated. And so I wrote the stuff that would awesome. do that. And what software does that use? Or it's called like Delta V. Delta V. It's made by Emerson. It's like okay. pretty popular within that whole realm. They use it at. Everything from like oil and gas to breweries. 
Okay, so any like automated machines, like big, large scale, yeah. Cool. And so that's like mainly what that's used for. That software is it like most similar to something like Python or anything? Oh, um, no, it's it's a bit different. Like, yeah, it's 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 a totally different world. There's there's like sort of like five ways to program, and the main way is is called structured text, and that's what we know. We write text. But there's, there's everything from ladder logic, which is what is used in PLCs, and then there's sequential function charts and functional block diagrams. Those are two more. Um, there's a fifth one. I forget it. Delta V involved a little bit of structured text, but was mainly sequential function charts and functional block diagrams. And what so was it was like, it's kind of similar to LabVIEW. I don't know if you've ever used, had to use that. No, I've okay. used that. Yeah. So... Yeah, so like I guess the, you see all your machines on there, and you can like set up timers and like what they're actually doing and inputs and stuff like that. Yeah, you have device tags, and you you normally correspond those um, specific bits on that controller to a tag that's in the software, and then be you be able to manipulate the output of that tag or or the you know the input or whatever. Are there any crazy stories of like bad code or a bug that? Like too much alcohol in it, or like yeah. the machine broke, or what's like the, the the craziest one with that? I don't know. There's like whatever can go wrong will go wrong. That's mm-hmm. what I've learned. Yeah. And like the other piece that I've learned is that you can't, as hard as you try, you can't code around human stupidity. You can try really hard, but just at the end of the day, it comes down to like if someone wants to make a mistake, they're gonna make a mistake. Like you can't do too much safeguarding. How, how do they make a mistake when it's automated? Sometimes there are manual additions to a tank. It's just easier to dump a bag of something into a tank than it would be to build in a whole like pump system, especially mm-hmm. when it's like a solid ingredient. Really difficult to maintain all that equipment, and it's just sometimes easier just for specific process steps to, to dump a, a bag in. Like my worst day was when an operator decided to, to dump a bag of one ingredient into the wrong tank <laughs> and ruined a whole bunch of product, and I was like, 1.2 million dollars down the drain that's, that's a lot which was yeah yeah rough. did you get any blame for that or was it no i mean i was involved in the investigation but it, like <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day testimony. it says dump it into this vessel and they chose to dump yeah. it in the other did vessel get fired over it? he didn't i mean now. i don't know they sometimes fire people but normally they fire for safety stuff like if you weren't right. being safe but but not losing over a million dollars in one, one Yeah, minute. that was that was a, that was a new change to the process, and he was like one of the first to do it, and he just yeah. messed it up. Interesting. So, <laughs> what know. like percent of the processes were like automated by your code versus people having to interject? Seventy five percent automated. And does it make it a lot harder when people are like you have to like count factor in those steps, like? Um. You sort of have to just like really understand the process to be able to automate around it. Everything from like, like if you harvest a centrifuge bowl, it involves operators like taking paddles and, and scraping out the paste. And so usually that'll just like resume the automation process with them answering a prompt like, yeah, I, I did that. Or mm-hmm. like, this is how much paste came out or something like that. Yeah. And so cool. it, it, it jumps in and out of being totally automated to... And what's the process like for creating automation code? So I'm used to like startups where you have designers, front end, back end, like who are you working with in order to create that code? It's really, it's really just me. There's a team of people that do what I do and will like peer review each other's code, but 
everything from like how it displays on the graphics to what it's actually doing to linking new devices with tags, like mm-hmm. to, to, to all the hardware components of it. Like it's pretty hardware involved. That was all within the realm of my responsibilities. So if there were any changes that needed to go in, like we would code those and then peer review each other. Uh, we had a SIM system. It wasn't the greatest, but like you'd normally work on the SIM system to get it up and running and then mm-hmm. download that onto the production system. Cool. And, and so did you get, but were there like scientists who came up with the procedures that you had right. to code after? And did you interact with them at all? Were yeah, they ever yeah. like, this doesn't look right or we can't do this? Most of the projects were very cross-functional. I mean, they would they would come up with little optimizations here and there about like, oh, well, if we, you know, you, you can add this much alcohol or like you don't need to mix it this step. And so some of that would be pretty easy to change, but the big process changes would, would involve a whole team of people. But at the end of the day, like they're the ones telling me how the process should be, and I'm the one translating that into what the automation yeah, is going to look like. Happen. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Can you work at home at all with that, or is that you have to? Yeah. You can. It's not ideal. I don't know. It's an old school business, so they're yeah. not used to that. So, is there room for disruption with new technology? Do you think or new software? Anything? Like Always. That? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'd be able to log on to the production system remotely. But that's always really dangerous because I could just open a valve at some point, oh, and so it's just you like could control it. Yeah, so you that's a frightening runs. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a so pressurized you- tank. I just like open a valve, and some operators working yeah. on there. It's like it's a real safety risk. You have to really understand what you're doing. Do you have to write tests at all for that code? Yeah, yeah. Lots of it's an FDA regulated industry. Huge uh-huh. test plans, change control, all the all that shit. Because you're like you're back in school, master's in computer science. Is there like a goal that you're moving toward with that? Like why why go back? I felt like automation helped me understand like my passion for like technology and and seeing it work in the real world. But I wanted to dive a little deeper than the realms of like Delta V and manufacturing automation. And I've always been interested in computer science. I decided I wanted to to sort of pivot into something software engineering or, or data science or um, just learn a new set of skills that would allow me to, to build things and like that's really cool to me so I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I'm trying to do with yeah, my life yeah. but uh, Most people are, yeah. here I am <laughs> awesome so is there anything like since being here or, like on your journey discovering what you want to be able to build is there any any sort of technologies or genres that piqued your interest I am spread across too many things like everything interests me still at this point yeah. Um, but like drones to crypto drones to oh I don't know like yeah everything from blockchain to like cryptography to data science machine learning to just like core software engineering skills yeah. it's all I feel like it's all cool and do you see ways of like how automation can play a role in all those things like you see like from what you learned there that isn't because people have different backgrounds right of getting into data science or crypto and stuff like that. Do you see like where automation plays a role in any of those? I mean, the automation that I'm coming from is a bit different than I think automation in the software engineering context. Like normally it'd be like automating tests of your code, but that's not exactly what I would do. I think there's actually a pretty big gap between software and hardware. Just, I mean, in general, mm-hmm. like we, we, be, we become so good at writing code to do certain things on computers, but like in my experience automating valves and like pressure sensors and you learn about a whole host of other problems that maybe have nothing to do with your code but the way that the actual piece of equipment works or like how it's been used and um 
So at least in the manufacturing context, there's there's a pretty big gap between people that know how to write code and people that understand field equipment. Right. Um, and I would imagine that, you know, maybe not so much for like, you know, internet-based companies or SaaS, whatever companies, but companies that, that have an actual product, that there's, there's probably a gap between how their hardware works and what their software is doing to it. That makes sense. Yeah, have you messed with like the Internet of Things or Arduinos or Raspberry Pi? Yeah, I play around a little bit. Yeah. With those, yeah. Do you have some of those? What's, I have a Raspberry Pi. What have you built with that or messed around with that? Um, I, I made a game emulator, like an N64 emulator. Cool. Playing like Super Mario. And then I tried to make like a Wi-Fi sniffer thing with Kali Linux and like was trying to like crack my own house Wi-Fi. Um, like you can like log into that network? Yeah. Did it work? It works. Um, it's contingent on knowing your password. Your, on, on the Wi-Fi password being in a list of like, so say like the RockU password database, like if, if it's really good and like it's not on a common list of passwords, it, it won't find it. But if it is there, then it will find it. And that's okay. like... That's basically like brute forcing. Exactly. Passwords. Yeah. yeah. Like it can, it can get the right whatever hash and like... Have you gotten free Wi-Fi places? Like no, I haven't, I haven't really haven't, tested it outside of it. Out with? No, yeah. Uh, no <laughs> Kickstarter campaigns? <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, Jake. It's been great having you on the podcast. Very interesting stuff about automation, pharmaceuticals, technology. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks, man. Wow, you did it. You listened to the first ever Stylist Free Podcast. But don't stop there. Keep listening to more episodes. Binge all day, all night. Get through them all. Once you get through them all, there's going to be more coming because we don't stop, won't stop here either. We're going all the way, Chinatown, hometown, New York City, LA, San Francisco. We're going everywhere. Non-stop, baby. To the top. Here we go. Keep them coming. We love your support. Thank you so much for listening to the Stylist Free Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brett Lebowitz.